This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Today on Vocal Perspective, we are so thrilled to be joined by Amanda Newman, Executive Director of Varsity Vocals, the organization that provides such incredible opportunities for high school, collegiate, and post-collegiate groups in the acapella world. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Thanks for having me. So happy that you're here. So one of the things that we want to sort of explore on this show is somewhat the history of women in acapella and where women are going in acapella. And I feel like you're in a really unique position to be able to, you know, shed some light, provide some insight into that. So maybe we could start with what you've seen as women starting off in acapella as they compete in things like ICCA and ICHSA. Uh, and, to, and where it's going. Yeah. I mean, that makes me feel old. No, oh, not but my intention. i really seen it. No, no, it's amazing. It's just, it is really true that it's changed and evolved so much over time. I think, you know, when I first started doing this in 2003, 2004, it was rare that an all-female group got to finals. And I don't know that it was for lack of, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, whether all female groups could stack up against all male groups or co-ed groups. And then there was a big movement with co-ed groups taking the lead. And a lot of people had said, like, a lot of the all male and all female groups said, okay, well, they have a larger range or, you know, there's always this isn't fair, this isn't even. And, you know, certainly we can't make the playing field completely level, though we try to. But I mean, ideally, we'd be able to have different categories, like all male, all female mixed, however. But, you know, initially, it was there weren't that many female groups that made it to find and I don't think it was for lack of them being able to stack up. It was just that there weren't that many that were so competition focused and that put their focus in the right places necessarily. And they're just by percentage, there were just fewer of them competing. At least that's that's how it is in my recollection. Well, and I wonder if that's a broader question, sort of bringing it outside of acapella of maybe there's a lack of a competitive nature in women more broadly. Do you think that's true? Oh, no, I don't think so. No, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think so. And I don't think I can speak to that necessarily. I, you should have Lisa Forkish talk about this because she's so good and so articulate about it. But and I'm going to screw everything up and then she'll correct me. And then I'll be like, yes, listen to Lisa Forkish some more. And I'm, I'm working on, you know, trying to articulate this the right way. But ultimately, I think it's just, you know, the very first group that won our finals was all female. But the competitive stage then the bar was so much lower and it's gotten really, really tough. And on certain things, it is more difficult to be, you know, an all-female group because you do have a lesser range and, you know, we've incorporated the use of octave pedal now, so that isn't such an inequality. And we didn't allow that before because we couldn't provide it for all shows across, in a fair way, in a reliable way, across all of our events. So that's been really helped now. But stylistically, too, I think all-female identifying acapella groups now are, you know, I don't want to put women in a box at all or or have a, you know, make anything a cliche, but, like, there was a certain amount of all-male groups playing just to the like, hey, we're charming bros. And the all-female groups being like, hey, we're sweet, cute girl next door, or we're kind of sexy and, you know, we are focused on what the, the visual aspect as well. And that certainly doesn't apply to everything I'm trying to not paint with, with such a broad brush, but I think that that goes back to just the roots of acapella music in this country. And, you know, there's a million people out here who could speak to that more specifically as well. But that's certainly how it was in the you know early 90s, say. And that's a cultural thing as well, not just for acapella. Yeah. So and now I think female acapella, female identifying acapella groups expressly, and then even mixed groups, uh, you know, even as well as all male groups, you don't see as many of them doing the like, we're all bros type of thing. 
Fair. Um, yeah. So their focus, I'm thinking of, you know, there's a group out of University of Wisconsin, Madison called Fundamentally Sound that is very, they're just, they're, they don't just do the like, they, they've been highly competitive and really strong for many years now and they don't perform that way. Also, the Baritones made it to finals and I literally hadn't seen the Baritones since almost back when I was in college. And, you know, that was in my region. And back in the day, we're like a fraternity. Right. Um, and now, you know, the, like how, your traditional fraternity. And then they came and then it was absolutely incredible. They expand the LGBTQ uh, spectrum. There was non-binary. You're going to misspeak again here. Someone should correct me. And it was actually such a, rather than being super competitive and bro-y, or even just like palling around type of male presence as a more traditionally all-male group, they were a lot different. And they, they were the ones that the only group out of all that we offered tickets to the ICHSA show, they're the only group to all show up for it. And I mean, them cheering and hollering for every single high school group that went on, it was just incredible. So I'm rambling and I went way off topic here, but gender in our culture is really changing and our idea of gender. And I just absolutely adore that ICCA or acapella in general is a really safe space for exploring that. And I think it's absolutely reflected in how gender is expressed in traditionally all female, all male identifying and, you know, mixed groups. It's, it's just, it's really exciting to see. I also, love that. I'm yeah. kind of ramble again, but groups, the groups used to do like all female groups would do the like, they're almost like the baby sister of the all male groups down to their wardrobe, which was the very, like a suit with a tie, you know, right. like a suit top tie and that style and and we're seeing that change now too and I just I like that the identity of, of these groups is is really different yeah so I feel like you bring up an interesting point about non-binary folks and and the inclusiveness of acapella and I wonder how you see that changing what have been traditionally women's groups genderly women's groups uh, how do you see that changing the playing field oh my gosh that's a hard question I mean I I haven't seen that many traditionally all female groups now being populated by trans people or being more inclusive the way that, you know, there's the whip and poofs at Yale is, is an all male group and they just accepted their very first female ever, which is incredible. But I don't, I haven't personally witnessed it going the opposite direction or not really opposite, but just the other direction of traditionally all female group having a gender non-binary person in there. And just based on the types of things that are going on in our culture now. And I, I think that we're, we're going to see it more and more. And it makes me really glad that I never gave into the pressure from people to say we should have an all-male competition, an all-female competition, and a mixed competition because I'd be really screwed now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's, uh, that was good foresight. Yeah, no, I, well, no, no, it wasn't good foresight. It was stubbornness and lack of enough, you know, all-female groups to participate separate in a se their own separate category. So, but thank you so much. Silver lining. Me <laughs> as a visionary. And I, I just want to, again, apologize. I'm working really hard on my terms. And when I write, I am very, I can think clearly and I use the right terms and I, I'm so nervous about misspeaking. And I, I think that you know, people have been so welcoming and warm and open about having that conversation in general in this community. And I hope any of your listeners will sort of feel free to send me their corrections and anything that, that I'm saying that's sensitive. If someone needs to explain it to me, I'm so open to that. I really do love that this is a community where that kind of conversation can happen and want to be, I want to be a part of it. And I don't think that I'm the leader of it in any way. I've got 
we need Lisa Forkish here again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll second that because I am no well-versed person in that, in terminology either, and I struggle as well. So I would be happy to be educated by anybody who'd be willing to educate me if I've made a mistake. So teach us. Someone call in. That's right. (laughs) Someone call in and help us. (laughs) On this pre-recorded segment. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Where am I? What is this? (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to ask, What do you think some of the hurdles that women still have to face in acapella in competition or in their groups in general or in the music industry? What do we still have to do better? Oh my gosh. I'm opening a can of worms here that I know is really tricky to talk about, but I think culturally it's something that female identifying people face now and have faced forever, which is the objectification. And I think it's always going to be hard and it still remains hard. It's very much a fight for female identifying people to say, you know, to be taken seriously. So, you know, if an all-female, I've seen these conversations go on on social media endlessly, and I just sort of sit in awe at the experiences people have had, because if an all-female group dresses really sexily, then they're, you know, they're looked past for that. You know, if they, what are they supposed to do, wear potato sacks? They should be allowed to embrace their sexuality and feel empowered by it on stage and bring that as part of it, because our competition rubric language is very vague for a reason, so that people, it's sort of like, how does it look? Does it look cohesive overall? So are you going for a certain thing and are you accomplishing it? It's not, are you really polished or do you have a really flashy look or, you know, whatever. If you're disheveled, does it look, is it supposed to be disheveled? You know, that type of thing is what we're going for. But, you know, women should be able to wear a short skirt in competition and not have a comment come in from the audience that's great legs so-and-so, you know, that's, it's really demoralizing and demeaning. And that's something that's part of our culture and something that we're starting to make headway on. I feel old AF again, but it's so different now than when I was in high school and college. And I absolutely love that. But the changing of the guard is hard for old people. So, so it's, it's hard to get used to. We, we will occasionally have a judge write something down that they think is genuinely a compliment. And we got to talk to them about it. And for anyone that ever gets a comment like that, you know, certainly from the audience, it's not something we can necessarily control. But on the rare occasion that a judge or someone has says something that makes you feel uncomfortable, we really welcome hearing from that. Emily Flanders is our judge coordinator and she's absolutely incredible and she's one of the most inclusive people I know and she works really hard you know she has a whole packet that she sends out to judges in advance to train them on you know the types of things that are appropriate and not appropriate to say so if someone's not following that we want to know about it but that's something we're really working on and I do think that's something that women and female identifying groups are female identifying people in acapella are going to struggle with there's a lot of female leaders in our community as well and I don't know you know I was just saying to someone that it's kind of a long story, but it sort of came out ultimately that I had never been invited to speak at an acapella convention. And oh. that's true. And I understand that a lot of them are like, you have to apply, whatever, but that absolutely that, that I can take upon myself to do. But, you know, so people that are out there teaching stuff about my program and my tournament or quoting me on stuff, you know, that's incredible and amazing. And I'm so honored that people care what I think. And it makes me a little nervous about things that I say are going to be repeated <laughs> out of context. And you know, I won't be there to like have my Midwestern charm behind it. So people go like, oh, this woman's just insane. But never. It is tricky because it's like there are a lot of really involved, really capable, powerful people in acapella doing a lot of stuff. But I think, and again, this is generalizing and I don't want to offend someone, but I think as women, we tend to keep our heads down and work hard and not speak up and take the credit. We're not the ones that are doing as much 
or the same kind of, or to the same degree as, again, generalizing, but self-promotion or a self-promotion is done in a different way. It's more like a feeling grateful for this opportunity and then, you know, showing what was accomplished. Yeah. It's just a different thing. And I think it's something culturally that women are learning to manage and to be able to step into that role. I mean, again, it happens in corporate America in every aspect of life. And it's a cultural shift for sure. I think that that's something that remains a struggle. I know a lot of women in acapella who are getting the accolades and, you know, they just aren't getting the like natural, I don't want to say admiration or, you know, there's just a lot of people, leaders in our, in our community that are male identifying and are adored and respected and appreciated and everyone knows their name and they're all males and how how does that happen how and you know it's females that are following them as well but it's like how does that happen that they're being identified as these strong important leaders in the community and then there's people like Andy Poole you know I can throw out Andrea Poole's name and I bet a lot of your listeners won't know who she is well, I know. She cre- I know. Right. You know, but you're a woman. But yes, true. And you've also been to every single varsity vocals finals since the dawn of time. <laughs> I think officially we've discussed you've been to more than me because I've missed one year because I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I missed the very first year because I didn't know about it. It wasn't well advertised. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, whatever that remains, you know, that's a big problem. That's frustrating for me, but you don't see Andy's not on social media, you know, doing stuff that promotes what she's doing. And so I think then people don't know who she is and that's fine. She's not in it for the glory. Something I really do value about my whole team and the males on that team included very much included is that they're not as readily recognized as some of the, you know, quote unquote celebrities in our community who do amazing things and do deserve all the attention they're getting and aren't egomaniacs and aren't asking for that type of thing. It's not what I'm saying at all here, but it's just interesting to me that we don't culturally hold women up the same way that we hold men up as leaders and founders and creators and important people to look to. Do you think that that's something that the other women in the community maybe have a responsibility to do? I I feel culpable, I guess is what I'm saying. And I wonder how much responsibility I have personally, and then sort of more broadly, we women or women identifiers, but but how how much responsibility do we have to help put onto our shoulders the people we feel like should be boosted. Yeah, it's really, it's really tough because then you get into like victim blaming. It's not really victim, but you know, it's like the people that need the attention shouldn't be the ones having to do all the teaching. Yeah, it's a fair, yeah. And the explaining of this is why this should be recognized and should be important, you know, because it's exhausting. And sometimes you just don't want to be the the feminist advocate. You want to just be appreciated for what you're doing regardless of your gender. But I, I do understand what you're saying. And I, that's something I've asked of myself more especially in the years it didn't quite exist the same way that it does now you know social media and the presence of it you know in 2011 when I had my first child and then by the time I was done having children by like 2015 my brain was sort of really back in the game and I sort of looked around and I was like oh there's all this social media stuff maybe I should really try to engage with this community and social media and I've kind of done it I kind of haven't I don't know that that it's necessarily the only way to go about doing that but it's just such a present factor for the high school and college demographic that I'm interacting with. So, you know, I'm trying to be more available and make it clear that I'm involved and present so that people do know who I am. But after a while, that's exhausting. And I ultimately don't really care. I care more about the, you know, the other people I see doing a lot of work and not getting recognized. So 
now I'm sort of exploring what I can do to help support them. Yeah, in, for sure. It's it's difficult. I th- women, I think, tend to not talk themselves up. But they also tend to not talk other people up. Mm. At least the women that I know. And again, I'm generalizing so much. So apologies. But yeah, I mean, I think that I think social media is a tricky thing because there's n- no tone. It's very difficult to have a I don't know, um, subtlety and intonation. There, There is none of that. And so things that you might say that could be considered innocuous if you would say them to somebody in person come off much more harshly or with much more vitriol than they would when taken outside of the context of your tone. Right. I absolutely agree with that. I also, I'm far more articulate in writing. I'm terrible in speaking as this podcast is if, if that's any indication oh please um, but I know I really think so and I, I also so I'm much more comfortable writing so that I'm more inclined to respond to someone's email or you know respond respond to someone's social media post but I'm a pretty brazen person I'm gonna tell you what I think and I feel all the more empowered to do so if I feel confident in the way that we're communicating which is writing so that's tricky for me to to navigate for sure. No, I think it's all important. I wanted to sort of talk a little bit about something you mentioned earlier, which was that there's been one all female identifying group that has won ICCA that very first year, the UNC Lorelei's. And I wonder, is that something that you see changing? Since then, Noteworthy has also won. Oh, right. Sorry. Uh, for Brigham Young. I know, right? But that was a big deal. And, you know, I actually don't even see that many. There are all female groups competing, but it's certainly not as many. We've had such a huge influx of co-ed groups and that kind of started around the time that, you know, the Nor'easters and SoCal Vocals became and pitch slapped between the three of them. And they're all co-ed groups. And I think, I mean, I come from a co-ed group background, so I think it's a great choice, but I think it's just, there's just gives you a lot more opportunities to what you can do visually and vocally. But I forget your question. Oh, well, so I guess sort of the, the question I, wa- I was getting at was, is it something you see changing? Do you think it actually needs to change? I, I guess I wonder, is it important that we have an all-female identifying group continue to go all the way, have more representation in competitions like ICCA and ICHSA? Do you think that's something that we should strive for? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I love it when all-female groups compete and participate. I haven't, oh, that's what I was getting. That's, that's how my brain works there. <laughs> I haven't seen nearly as many groups. More recently, we had Pitch Please from the Northeast make it through to finals and they did an incredible job and they made it through by virtue of the wildcard round which was amazing I love when groups like that go there and then really make it such a statement there like they really belong there you know like it's not just like the extra group it's like oh this group is amazing like how did they not win their region right so I love I love when stuff like that happens I do think it's important just in general because again when it's a co-ed group or mixed gender group I, I guess you is what I should be saying there it's more focused is less on female empowerment specifically. So yeah, I, I had my first choice of getting into a college group was all female groups. So I've always loved all female acapella. I think our program does allow for all female identifying groups to, our program does have every opportunity for all female identifying groups to do well and to compete well and make it all the way to finals. You know, I think our rubric establishes that and allows it to happen. I do think it's important to keep encouraging those groups and pushing them because it is then more or about you know, it's the same as anything it's like you just become the token if it's a man that gets promoted to ceo you know it's just another male ceo if it's female that goes to you know becomes a ceo it's the female ceo so and that's not great either but it certainly want to keep seeing people in those positions because then it eventually it'll become so normalized that it's not a thing yeah <laughs> it's not like oh my god an all-female group one right it's 
you know, here's another one. So yeah, women get out there, make all female groups. That does lead me to maybe a more you focused question, which is as a woman who's running such a massive enterprise and the opportunities that you have within that enterprise, what has your experience been like as a woman in that position? As a, as a leader in the community? Yeah. And just running a business in general. (laughs) It's been tricky. You know, it's, it's, it's just little things that pop up that you notice. And sometimes there's things that I've just, I'm so acculturated to it that I don't notice and someone points it out to me and I'm like, yeah, that is terrible. For example, there's plenty of times where I have to be really bitchy, but it's not bitchy. It's just stern. But I I come, people are like, why are you so bitchy? I feel like if I'm letting someone go, I feel the need to sort of like couch it in certain terms and make sure that it's, you know, that I'm addressing their personal needs and paying attention to that. Whereas I do feel like if I were a male, I would be able to just say it would be more acceptable on their end for me to just cut them loose. Yeah. I think you and I have talked about this at one point, but last year, not this past year, two years ago at finals, afterwards I did one of those. It was when Instagram first started doing those, ask me any question you want. And, you know, then you can't see who asked the question, but you can post the questions. And one of the questions that I got was, why were you so bitchy at final? And it was like, well, this is a massive, this event costs $150,000 to put on. So if everything's not going perfectly smoothly and someone is bringing something up, I'm going to have to go over and address it. If you're not doing your job, you're not doing your job. Totally. I've been in the position at one of my events where someone that was was contracting for me at the event did not take well to the criticism that I was giving and then told me to smile and just try to relax and let's, you know, have a good show. Oh my gosh. It's like, oh, how did you not even get the memo yet that you should not tell a woman to just smile? No. So it's tricky. Even down to like, I mean, I'm so grateful to Mickey Rapkin and the work that he did to make Pitch Perfect and to elevate our community to where it is. But in the original book, he wrote that I had, I was, he was imp- writing impressively, like she's running, she's only 26 and she's running around, she runs this whole company and she's running around this event and doing it all in flip flops. And I'm like, okay, so I had spring my ankle (laughs) and my foot wouldn't fit in any shoes and I'm on my feet from like 8 a.m till like 3 a.m right and it was during sound checks and heck yeah I was wearing flip-flops and if it was a man I just don't know that footwear would even be commented on I mean men's footwear I was wearing a dress so my options were limited and like you know (laughs) men's footwear is just conducive to having a sprained ankle right you know I just I couldn't my ankle was swelling and I had these flip-flops like There's a million women walking around New York City in flip-flops for that reason, because shoes give you blisters if you can't wear like a nice, comfortable sock in them. So it was just kind of one of those little, it just felt like a little deep, deep, nice pat on the head. Like, oh, isn't that charming and cute? Yeah. Stuck with me. And, you know, these are things that people don't mean how they say, or they don't necessarily, if if you educate them about it and you can remain calm and, and explain it, you know, I do think that's partly my responsibility to do and to keep pointing it out. But, you know, that's just sort of the situation that I'm in, you know, and it's a situation that any woman in any sort of position of authority is in. Absolutely. Yeah. It's trying. I am a really strong-willed person. I'm pretty outspoken. If I have a feeling about something, I'm going to let you know how I feel. And I think, and I sort of also stay out of a lot of the emotional fray of some things as well. Sometimes I get right into it, but sometimes I stay out of it. And I think the way that I've handled myself, I'm proud of how I've handled myself in our community over the past 20 years. And I think it's enabled not just me personally, but my company to be respected 
and it's helped it grow. If, if you're not behaving with a certain level of authority, then people aren't going to take it seriously. And one of my biggest goals, you know, when I first started doing this was to make the competition this big, important thing that people really respected and cared about. Well, you've clearly succeeded in that. Well, it's come to pass, but now I've dug myself into a hole because now it's like, it's really big, but it's really still not that big. Like we were talking earlier, just before we started this podcast, like I just moved to a different house and I no longer have an office. I'm going to have to figure out what room in this house is going to be my office. But right now I'm at the dining room table. It's very small. Like if you post something on, on social media, I'm going to see it. Right. It's not that big. And and maybe maybe I need to be more out there in my social media so that I have this deep following of people who, you know, was, will support me and, you know, makes me sort of unassailable, you know, the way that like Deke Sharon is or Ben Bram is, you know, no one's ever arguing with anything they say or do, but I love them both dearly. But, you know, it, it, it's put me in a position where then people are make a comment about something that disparages it. And it's like, that gets back to me. And like, if you had something that you felt was wrong, like, why wouldn't you just tell me? Because you literally, the phone number and address on our quote unquote big corporation's website is my personal one. You know, <laughs> like, if you call me on a Saturday, I'm going to be with my kids and I will answer my phone. Like, uh, so it's a tricky spot. That's, that's not necessarily male or female. That's just the part of the size. No, but I think that actually is a female thing. I mean, you said it offhandedly, but like, if a man were running this, would he pick up the phone on the weekend while he was playing with his kids? Maybe, but maybe he wouldn't be playing with his kids. Maybe he'd pick up the phone because he's busy working. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That's so true. Yeah. Small I don't business know. is really tricky. Mm-hmm. It's really tricky. For sure. It's, it's very, it's very hard. I love the, the social media meme. This is not about gender. So I apologize for the tangent again, but whatever. Um, there's a, there's that meme that is going around. That's like, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And then work a day in your life is crossed out and says, you'll never stop working, eat, sleep. You know, it's just like, you'll work forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's because you love it. Right. So it's wonderful, but it's also like boundaries. Hello. And <laughs> I'm notoriously bad about boundaries. So, so true. Yeah. So I think this has been such an amazing conversation and I love the, depth and the breadth that we've gotten into. And I want to, I guess, wrap up our time together with asking one more question, which is what advice would you offer to women in acapella for the future? What would you like to see women trying, doing, and going? Oh my gosh. I mean, (laughs) I think my advice for women that are involved in this community in any way is the same advice that I'm giving myself right now, which is to start speaking up to your accomplishments. It's not necessarily something that's just applicable to acapella, but in general, I think it's so important. And to work on the need to couch everything as I've done so much in this podcast, but to just, you know, if you have something to say, say it and don't qualify it eight times, circle it around eight times with qualifiers because you've, you know, you want to make sure everyone's comfortable and okay. I'm, I did very badly about that in this podcast, but for good reason, I think it's more like if you're, if you're hiring someone or firing someone or, you know, just find a way to be authoritative in your leadership roles and do that. I also really love when I see women involved at festivals or the, the camps and academy that go on. I think that's incredible. And I think it's really important. This hasn't been traditionally something that women are leaders in and it's becoming more and more, there's more and more of them. And I think the more that there are the, you you know, the better experience it's going to be for everyone involved. And I, you know, I'm going to do that too and try to get involved in some of the extra things, especially now that my kids are sleeping through the night. (laughs) (laughs) It's a milestone for sure. (laughs) Right. But it's like, if I can get away now, but that's something culturally that has held back women. There's a reason that women have, they get opportunities for promotions less and it's because they have to take this time away. And, you know, there's also a male responsibility in that and that they need to take 
paternity leave if it's offered to them or family leave so that when a woman does it, it's not such a thing that she then is six years behind in her career and can't advance. Oh my gosh. Preach, girlfriend, preach. But I'm really realizing that that I'm just having this epiphany right now that like, that's kind of why I'm not involved in a lot of the social media stuff and speaking at conventions in the same way, because I've been sort of taking care of my family. So, okay, well, everyone look out. (laughs) I'm coming. (laughs) <laughs> to a festival near you. Yes. Anyone that wants to invite me, or, or I got to have to apply. But <laughs> whatever, however it works, I'm going to figure it out, and it's going to be great. But I love women in this space. I think women are the best and amazingly capable at so many things. You know, women are in general very good at multitasking. It's what helps them a lot in leadership roles often. And I think sometimes that means that because you're not so amazing at one solid thing that you don't speak up about it. But I think multi being able to the ability to multitask and handle a lot of different things at once is in and of itself uh, an impressive feat. And I think having more of that in our community is going to be really helpful. I love that. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for taking some time out of everything you have going on. And I know that things are really busy for you, but I appreciate so much you taking some time to explore some of these topics with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that you're asking these questions. I think they're amazing, but please ask people who are better spoken than me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not sure that's possible, but we'll try. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That was Amanda Newman, Executive Director of Varsity Vocals.